Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to End of the Night. I'm Cassie Anderson, owner and creative director of Cassie Rose Events, a luxury planning and production firm based here in Michigan. And boy, oh boy, do I have something special for you today. It's arguably the hottest workplace topic across the board right now, and particularly in the events industry. So here goes the question everyone is talking about. As a vendor, am I required to disclose my vaccination status if a client asks me to? And the flip side of that, as a client, is it legal to require vendors to be vaccinated? Whether you're an industry professional or a couple trying to plan a wedding during these wild, wild times, I'd wager to guess that you've grappled with this somewhat controversial conversation in one way or another at this point. I mean, personally, I've been fielding these questions from both clients and vendors for quite some time now, not to mention as a vendor, as well as a business owner. And so I thought it was time to bring in an expert to offer clarification on the legal side of this issue for all of us. Today, I'm joined by Dave Glaude, a seasoned attorney in both litigation and those tough business conundrums we all grapple with. Dave was generous enough to sit down with me and field my questions, the ones we've all been wanting answers to. And because... No one loves a good disclaimer more than lawyers. I should note that Dave is not my personal lawyer, and the following conversation, though educational, is certainly not intended as specific personal legal advice for anyone listening. From what constitutes workplace discrimination to HIPAA violations, we talk through it all. And maybe most importantly, we discuss best practices for navigating these sensitive issues with professionalism, compassion, and respect. Enjoy! Hi, Dave. Hey, Cassie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for taking some time to chat with me today. And I'm excited to dive into some of these issues with you. My pleasure. Happy to be on. There is just so much buzz and emotion, frankly, and uncertainty around the legalities surrounding vaccines, vaccine status, who can request it, who can't, what your rights are. And I know there's a medical safety side of this whole conversation as well, but I really wanted to take an opportunity to chat with you as a lawyer with your background to be able to get some clarity around vaccines and sort of the legality of requiring it or what needs to be disclosed. Sure. And, and yeah, as a business lawyer, I deal with these issues both in a business-to-business context. I also work with employers and work with employees uh, on employment matters. So this has tended to come up over the last several years. Yeah. So here's basically the big question, and I'm going to ask it sort of two ways from two different perspectives. I think the first question, and I get this a lot from my clients who are, for the most part, they I am hired by brides and grooms to help them secure the rest of their vendors that they're going to to hire to produce their event, right? Can they require the vendors that they are hiring, can they require those vendors to be vaccinated? Short answer, and I, I want to preface this by saying that I, I, as you know, I am not your lawyer, right? and your listeners should be aware that I am not their lawyer, although I am a lawyer. <laughs> um, bef- before we sign an engagement letter, this is not legal advice, and I'm, I'm not sure. representing anybody listening here. Also, a lot of this stuff is, is going to depend on uh, sort of jurisdictional factors. Yep. So I'm, I'm talking sort of at a, at a high level general principles, but a, a lot of these issues have been litigated in the state courts and in other courts. So there, there could be tweaks on, on any of this, depending on where you are. Sure. As a general matter, I will say that as the client, you can require essentially anything you want of your vendors. If you want all of, you know, everybody serving your event, 
to wear a chicken costume, if they're willing to agree to that, you can require them to do that. It's not so much a requirement as, you know, you're proposing the terms of the service relationship. And if they accept those terms, then you're going to enter that relationship. And if they don't, then you won't. Sort of the flip side of that, though, right? Like as a potential vendor, let's say I'm, well, even as me, right? I'm as a planner. If a client, a, a potential client came to me and said, we'd love to work with you. We are requiring all of our vendors to verify their vaccination status or however that gets worded. Do I legally have to disclose that to them? Like, isn't that my private health information? Do you, are you legally required to? Maybe not. You can certainly refuse to answer and they can decide whether to hire you or not Mm -hmm. based on that response. I would not recommend lying to the client and saying that you are vaccinated when you're not, because then, you know, if if somebody at the event gets infected, then you've opened yourself up to liability there. Sure. Setting aside the the, the moral implications as as well of, of doing that. I'm very solution oriented. I'm always like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do we do? Right. But what I'm hearing is that there seems to be sort of a distinction. What what you're talking about, Dave, is really before any sort of contract or work relationship has been established, right? This is like best practices, right? It's like, if I, as a client, think I want all of my vendors to be vaccinated, this is a conversation that I should be having before I already have a legal contract in place with a specific vendor, ideally, right? If a bride hired me and I've got my contract and my contract says nothing about COVID or vaccine status, and then later on, she comes to me and says, hey, actually, I really want everyone to be vaccinated, it seems like at that point, she really doesn't have any legal ground to stand, right? Like in this scenario, right? Like I'm not vaccinated. So if you don't like that, here are the cancellation terms as they're outlined in our contract, right? Like that would sort of be the default. Does that make sense? This is me yeah. not being a lawyer trying to ask a legal question. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's that's exactly the, the right way to think about it. If the contract hasn't contemplated what happens with respect to vaccination status, then you're you're just stuck with, you know, one or the other party wants to cancel the contract for any reason. Differences in, in vaccination approaches fall within that framework. So I, I think the, the best way to insulate against those kinds of issues is to just think about this stuff up front and have it specifically outlined in the contract what, what happened so that you're not falling back on default terms for a scenario that, that neither party thought about or, or contemplated. Particularly now, I mean, none of us, at least in my industry, I think nobody in any industry wants to go back to March 2020, where everybody was like, right. oh, what does my contract say? What do we do? How does any of this work? Yep. It's also, to me, it seems like it's just sort of a a human to human conversation to have right early on before there's a contract in place, especially because it is such a sensitive, hot topic right now on both sides, on every side and every angle. And so what I'm hearing sort of as a best practice is if this is something that is important to you as a client who's in the position to be hiring other contracted vendors, it is a term to put up front initially. But as a potential vendor, if a potential client comes to you with that request. It's not an quote unquote, like illegal request, but it is within your rights to say, no, thank you. This isn't the right fit for me. Like I don't, I don't meet those criteria essentially. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're governed by the the contract that you've entered. And if you haven't entered the contract, then you, you think about what's important to you, what, what terms should be in there. And it's, it's like anything else that you're aware might happen or anything that you're aware might come up. You know, I've, I've represented wedding service professionals and they put things in their contract. Like, you know, what happens if the event is rained out? Mm-hmm. I and my staff mm-hmm. are not on the hook if it starts sprinkling and, and the, the wedding dress gets rained on. Right. And, you know, they're, they're aware of those issues because it's, it's stuff that they've encountered. And so we're, we're all aware that, that COVID is out there. And if you haven't addressed vaccination in advance of entering the contract, then certainly it, it may be, you know, vaccination or testing might be mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. becomes relevant sure. during the contract. 
Is HIPAA at all relevant to this conversation? HIPAA is a very big subject, but short answer, no. I mean, HIPAA governs disclosure of your medical record by generally your, your medical provider. It doesn't create blanket confidentiality over anything medical as it relates to you. One example of where HIPAA might apply is, you know, somebody couldn't cause your doctor to disclose your vaccination status without your consent. Oh, I see. But it, it doesn't mean that they can't ask you to disclose it. Right. Well, I feel like before COVID, I never really even thought about HIPAA, right? It's just like, oh, right, this is the thing I signed before I go into the doctor's office. People understand that HIPAA relates to confidentiality of medical inf information yep. or the protection of medical information. But when organizations or entities have your medical information, HIPAA is about when they are allowed to disclose it and how they have to get your consent to disclose it. It doesn't create some blanket shield over everything relating to your medical status. And, and specifically in, in context like COVID, set, setting HIPAA aside, even if there were some kind of protection there, that protection can generally be overridden by things like public health considerations or right. protecting you know, your, your customers or your other employees from a potentially deadly virus. Right. It's interesting because while this is such a heated debate, it also seems like it's fairly clear what the actual legal parameters around it are. Yeah, generally in, in a uh, customer to business relationship, you're right, and it's, it's fairly straightforward. Where it gets a little bit more thorny is, is when you get into discrimination issues. People often conceptualize discrimination much more broadly than it actually applies. Discrimination laws tend to be pretty narrow. For instance, they, they'll apply in, in a housing context, in an employment context, and they apply to a very narrow set of protected characteristics. If I had a client who chose not to book me because I'm unvaccinated, as an example, right. you're saying that that is not in the legal sense, like part of the definition of workplace discrimination, or it is. If they were hiring you as an employee, maybe. But my assumption would be that they would generally be hiring you as an independent contractor, mm -hmm. in which case you don't, you don't really have protections. Where I see this come up sometimes is where you as the vendor have your own employees to provide the services, mm -hmm. that you as the vendor can't discriminate along the protected lines among your employees. So if I was hiring somebody on my staff, I couldn't require them to be vaccinated? No, that's not quite right. <laughs> uh, so, so the way that discrimination laws can come up here is if, for instance, an employee has a genuine medical condition that makes it impossible or not medically indicated for them to get vaccinated. Right. Or if they have a genuinely held religious belief. Right. Then, you know, in the first case, disability, and in the in the second case, religion would be the applicable categories there. And that doesn't mean that you can't impose obligations on them, but it does mean that you can't discriminate the, against them based on those characteristics. Got it. So it's like you can require it or there needs to be a... a relevant a, exemption. A reasonable accommodation is yeah. the legal term. Okay. And so what that means is is if there's a way, for instance, if, if the employee can't get vaccinated, but there's a way to have them do aspects of the job that don't require interaction with customers or other employees, then maybe that's a reasonable accommodation. If the type of work they're doing doesn't permit that, then maybe there is no reasonable accommodation to be made. Mm -hmm. But that's that's sort of where it gets a little tricky. Got it. In terms of the religious component, it, it also has to be a genuinely held religious belief. So, you know, I've, I've seen employees go to their employers and say, well, I, I can't get the vaccine because my religion for forbids it. And then the employer is, I, I think, entitled to dig into, you know, well, what is the actual religious belief? What is the mm -hmm. prohibition? Is this real? 
Or are you using that as an excuse to, to mask some other reason that you don't want to get vaccinated? Sure. That's sort of the arena where it's tended to be litigated. And, and the outcome of that will depend on how those cases come out in particular jurisdictions. But that's sort of the general framework and obviously comes out of constitutional principles. So that the principles will be the same, though the outcome may be different depending on, on where you are. Well, this has been super, super helpful. I don't know if there's anything else that you would add. I feel like that last piece on discrimination is while I think that's where it starts to get a little bit grayer, I think is also an important distinction, an important part of the conversation. And I just, I so appreciate your time and your unofficial expertise. <laughs> My pleasure. Always happy to talk through these issues. Thanks again for tuning in to End of the Night. I hope you found this special episode helpful. And of course, feel free to get in touch with Dave Glaude with any personal inquiries. His contact info is available at CassieRoseEvents.com backslash End of the Night podcast. Enjoy this conversation? Feel free to rate and review it or drop me a note and tell me more. And of course, follow along with our work on Instagram at Cassie Rose Events and on the web at CassieRoseEvents.com. Talk soon.